This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. So I'm going to start off with a a couple of um, interesting facts for you. Is that okay? I'm going to have to read them. And I've literally, if you look at my notes, I've reeled off a couple of words because I couldn't pronounce them when I was looking at it this morning. I'm not even going to attempt that word. so So here's a couple of interesting facts for you. The Three Gorges Dam is a hydroelectric dam on the Yatsi River in China. In terms of the amount of electricity it generates, it's the world's largest power station. The concrete and steel dam is 7,661 feet long and 600 feet high and uses about 510,000 tons of steel. The reservoir contains 39.3 cubic kilometers of water. The water weighs more than 39 trillion kilograms. So due to such heavy weight, it is actually changing the rotation of the earth and making the days last longer. Can you believe it? A man-made thing is able to... It's actually delaying the rotation of the earth and making our days longer. Now it's a milli, 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 millisecond. But still, small things can have a big impact. A Boeing 757, which was almost four years old, it was a dark, stormy night across the Pacific Ocean, and the aeroplane's instruments began to tell the pilot that first they were going too slow, then they were going too fast. In addition to this, the instruments were also uh, failing to tell him how far off the ground he was. So leading the crew, they had just basically discard the instruments and the readings. The pilot immediately declared an emergency and turned back to Lima. With no external references, such as landmarks, because they were over the Pacific Ocean, uh, and they were obviously couldn't see, because there was a storm, couldn't see the horizon or anything. He had no way of knowing where he was going, really, whether he was going up, whether he was going down, or what speed he was going at. The first warning that the pilot, and this is a true story, the first warning that the pilot had of where they were was when the 757's wing struck the ocean. They tried mightily to regain co- uh, control, but failed. They crashed off the Peruvian coast with 70 souls on board. After the wreckage, they recovered the cause of the crash because what they pinned it down to is a piece of duct tape had been left on the opening of the aeroplane, which did something with the airflow. I I don't understand it, but something to do with airflow, and there was a bit of duct tape on where they shouldn't have duct tape. And although it was supposed to be removed, somebody had forgotten to take it off. So a strip of tape, approximately 100 square centimetres in area, brought down a huge plane and with the loss of 70 lives. Small things can have a big impact. Aldrin and his moonwalking companion, Neil Armstrong, were gathering themselves into the landing module to start their return home and noticed something lying on the floor. It was a circuit breaker. I have no idea what that is, by the way, so, but it was a circuit breaker. So if you know anything about it, you'll understand this story even more than me. But it was a circuit breaker switch that had gotten bumped and had broken off in the to-in and fro-in, obviously in a cramped uh, environment. It was actually the switch of the circuit breaker that activated the ascent engine that would get them off the moon to rendezvous with Mike Collins, who was orbiting in the Columbia. If they couldn't get the breaker pushed back in, they'd have to figure something else out, otherwise they were stuck on the moon. They told Mission Control 
and they try to kind of have a sleep and whatever and get refreshed for the next morning while control sorted out a solution. But in the morning when they walk, well, didn't sleep much, I can, I can assure you, the next morning no solution was forthcoming. So Aldrin says this in his book. Since it was electrical, I decided not to put my finger in it or use any other metal uh, object in it. But I had a felt-tip pen in my pocket. So I thought, that might do the job. So after moving the countdown procedure up by a couple of hours in case it didn't work, I inserted the felt-tip pen into the small opening where the circuit breaker switch should have been and pushed it in. Sure enough, the circuit breaker held. We were going to get off the moon after all. Small things can have big impact. So we're going to look at something in the Bible today that is a small thing, but had a major impact. And it's probably, I would assume, one of the most important miracles, only because it's actually been retold in every single gospel in the Bible. So clearly, God wants us to know about this story. And it's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, where small things had a big impact. You see, God is in the business of taking little ordinary things and using them for his glory. Now, if you ask um, me, Philip, Caris, Fiona, Sarah, we've just come back from Cyprus. If you ask us about our holiday, we were all, we were all on the same holiday. We all did the same thing, but we'd all give you like a different version of it, wouldn't we? Because different things mean more to us. So what I've done, rather than, because it's in four Gospels, rather than choose one of them, what I've done, and I know you're not allowed to do this technically because you're not supposed to add or take away, or, but I've moved it around to put all the bits that all the different people said about the story into one passage so that we get the full picture. Are you okay with that? Or should I get it out and read it properly? No. Okay, so... This is what I've put together then, okay? So this is what it says between all four. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, a huge crowd, as as always. I put that in. I I did put that in, as always. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles that they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed up a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that the large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you think that's interesting? The disciples replied, We're out in the country. It's getting late. Just dismiss the people so they can go to their villages and get their own supper. But Jesus said, there's no need to dismiss them. You give them supper. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each of these people to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, sit the people down in groups of about 50. They did what he said and soon had everyone seated. There was about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples and then and to, and to give to those who were seated. Then he did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten, 
he said to the disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the fresh barley loaves. Isn't that amazing? Would you have loved to have been there? Yeah? Bear in mind, these people, they were probably oblivious, really, to what was going on, I would think, wouldn't they? I mean, imagine kind of the crowds on the hill. You know, if you were sitting at the back, you wouldn't really know what was going on in discussion at the front with Jesus and the disciples. But can you imagine the disciples? Can you imagine the faith that it must have built up in the disciples? Because, and I noticed this blanket's getting thicker and thicker because I think they're trying to hide the smell. Because, do you know what? I don't even know if these five loaves and two fish here would even feed you guys. And I can't imagine the fish, because a little boy brought this. This is his picnic, yeah? So I can't imagine the fish being that much bigger, maybe even smaller. So, you know, he hasn't brought, like, a blue whale in. Do you know what I mean? Two blue whales or a couple of killer sharks or something and, you know, brought the whole bakery with him. It was probably this maximum absolute maximum size could have even been little sprats or anchovy type sizes i don't know i mean that's a big feast for a little boy but this is what he brought and this is what fed not five thousand people there was five thousand men so the estimate is when they take in the kids and the wives and, the, and, and you know, the women that was there, the single women and all that, they estimate it could have been anything between 10 and 20,000. So this fed 20,000 people and some because they were spare. Small things, big impact. So my title today, because everybody likes to give it a title, don't they? It's amazing what you can do with a picnic. See, God loves to use ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. God told Noah to build a boat. Job was tested by God. Moses led God's people out of Egypt. David killed Goliath and became the second king of Israel. Daniel slept with lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego danced in the fire. Esther went before the king and saved the whole of her people. Peter healed many that laid on the street just by his shadow. And the little boy gave his small picnic and fed 20,000 people. There's all blood coming out of these fish. This is quite, this is quite disgusting, really. I'm going to be a vegetarian. That's my new uh, proclamation. Yeah, only on the odd days, though. Because I like my meat too much. Anyway, throughout the, God, uh, the Bible, God's ordinary people did great things. And the only reason why we know about them is because they didn't do it in their own strength. It's because God did it in his strength. This little boy's food, the little boy didn't do anything with it. God did something with it. You see, God often chooses the smallest and weakest to demonstrate his power. So what we're going to do, if we want to be world changers, if we want to have a big impact, if we want to do big things, we're going to look at three things this morning from the story of the feeding of the 5,000 that could help us. Is that okay? First of all, ability. This miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. Now, this incident happens on the far side of the lake, down from a small town on the northeast bank of the Sea of Galilee. This is a town where Philip was from. So when Jesus asked Philip, where can we buy food? It's like, you know, in Brunamen, 
and you've got like 20,000 stadium. It's like coming to somebody who lives in Brynham and says, where can we get food in Brynham for 20,000 people? Like, well, local chippy, might, you know, it might be, a, might be a start. So he knew the area and he just said, it's impossible. This is a small town. We've got too many people here. And he was right. He was right. <coughs> there was no physical resource locally that they could have used to feed all the people that Jesus has asked them to do. Now, have, you ever, have ever you been in that sort of situation? Were you facing something that you just think, oh my gosh, this is impossible. I have no resource for it. I have no, I, I just can't do it. You see, Philip faced an impossible task. How could he feed 20,000 people from his local chippy? He couldn't. But Jesus was asking him purely to stretch his faith. Because if you read like we did in the scripture, Jesus already asked the question, how are we going to do this? Is there anywhere local? Where's the local chippy? He was asking all that with every knowledge of what he was about to do. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Isn't that a relief? And Jesus knows in your life what he's going to do. Isn't that a relief? You see, sometimes like Philip, there are things in life that come our ways and they just seem like mountains. You look at the situation and realize, you know what, this is impossible. And at times, it is easy to concentrate on what we can't do and the obstacle and how big it is and the impossibility instead of, do you know what, God has already got the answer. God already knows what he's going to do. Remember the story of the widow? with the oil in two kings. The widow focused on what she didn't have, but Elisha used what she did, what she thought she didn't have, the little that she thought she had, and multiplied it. You see, when God has a plan for your life, it doesn't matter how small you think you are, or how small you think your things are, or how small you think your world is. If God's got a plan for your life, it doesn't matter. He knows what he wants to do in and through you. So instead of concentrating on what you have, remember what you have in God. This is what Andrew did. Andrew didn't worry about what they didn't have, what he concentrated on what? On what they did have. And even though it seemed probably useless, it was like, do you know what? This is what we got. This is what we got. So he brought five loaves and two small fish, and Jesus took what they had and miraculously multiplied it. You see, what you have, God will multiply. What you can offer, God will multiply. So start with what you already have. It's not you anyway. It's not you anyway. Philippians 2 said, for it is God who works in you. Both to, to will and to do for his good pleasure. You see, when we say we can't, or we haven't, or we shouldn't, that's when God really does show up. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you the power to be successful. So it's not you anyway. During the Depression, there was a sheep ranch owner by the name of Yates. Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough on the ranch to, that he was operating to pay his mortgage, so he was in danger of losing his property, the farm. With little money for clothes or food, 
his family had to live on government subsidies. Day after day, as he grazed his sheep over the hills in Texas, he was in no doubt troubled about kind of what his future would look like. How was he going to pay the bills? Then a crew from an oil company came into the area and told him that there might be oil on his land. They asked permission if they could drill a wildcat well, which I, I'm assuming is like a temporary thing just to check. And he signed a lease and they started drilling. 1,100 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Subsequently, there was more wells found. And in fact, 30 years after the discovery, the government tested one of the wells and said that it had the potential for 125,000 barrels of oil a day. Mr. Yates owned it all. Because when he signed for the land and bought the ranch, he actually owned the oil uh, and the rights that went with it, the mineral rights. Yet he'd been living on subsidies and relief. He was a multi-millionaire, but he was living in poverty. Why? Because he didn't know. He didn't know what was literally beneath his feet. And sometimes we go through life living in a poverty, and I'm not talking about finances now, I'm talking about the whole thing. We live in poverty in our health, we live in poverty in our mind, we live in poverty in our finances, we live in poverty in our relationships, because we don't know what we've already got inside us. You see, God has already given you the ability. God has already given you the ability are you hearing me? Yeah. God has already given you the ability. You've already got the oil. You just ain't digging. Yeah? So God wants your ability, whatever it looks like, however small you think it is. Because remember, Great Oaks started where? From small acorns. So that's ability. Secondly, availability. Jesus was the multiplier of the food, not the distributor. Jesus never gave the food out. He multiplied it, but he gave it to the disciples to give out. You see, the same is true with us, isn't it? Jesus is the giver of life, but we need to be the ones that do the work. We have the task of distributing the message. We have the, the task of showing God's love. God has provided you with everything you need. He's provided you with the ability He's provided you with his authority. But things, your ability is absolutely useless if he doesn't have one thing that only you can give. Your availability. You could be the most gifted person in the world. But if you don't use your ability, then it is absolutely useless. I'm actually a marathon runner. I could. I could win a marathon. I have the ability. But I don't do it. I'm also the Wimbledon champion. I have the ability, Andrea. Yes, you have. I have. Jesus. But I just don't do it. Have you gone <laughs> <laughs> That's a very big one, that is, I tell you. But do you get my point? Do you get my point? I could, ha I could have the ability to win Wimbledon. I don't know why, because I haven't even bothered trying. I could have the ability to be Prime Minister, but why? Because I haven't gone that route. <laughs> so what I'm saying is unless we try we won't know yeah you could be the most gifted person in the world but if you're not willing to use it 
you may as well not have that gift at all. Look at this boy in the story. Let's be logical now. Let's be logical. This little boy's got brought his picnic. Yeah? He's brought his picnic. Like I said, probably not even this big. He's brought his picnic and he's offering it to feed 20,000. Is that sensible? Would you have done that? Let's be honest, probably not. We'd have been like, oh, well, I got this, but that's not going to do any good, so I won't say anything. Isn't it? That's what we do. But he became available. He said, you know what? I know it's only small, but it's the only thing I got. But look, have it anyway. That's what he did. I found this definition of availability um, on Google, and I, I liked it, so you're having it. <laughs> availability is being willing to adjust your own schedule, agenda, and plans to fit the right of the desires of God. It makes personal priorities secondary to the needs of God and others. In the late 50s, a country preacher named David Wilkerson began travelling from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, there, that's the one, from there, to New York City, I can say that one, to reach gang members who were steeped in murder and violence, eventually reaching one of the most notorious gang members, a teenager, teenager named Nicky Cruz. How did David Wilkinson, I can't get my words out, David Wilkinson, become the one to reach this gang member? Because I'm sure there were others who were probably far more um, qualified, if you like, to do this. What made him qualified? What made him qualified? His availability. He did it. He went and did it. You think, think about what is most important when you're in need. If you were drowning, do you care whether it's a lifeguard or somebody walking by that throws you the lifeline? You don't care. It's whoever will throw you the lifeline, isn't it? God is not waiting for you to learn something new or become something that you're not. God is just looking for you to be willing. Think of David. He wasn't a fighter. He was a young boy, for goodness sake. He wasn't a soldier. They tried to make him into a soldier, kind of, didn't they? Giving him the armor and whatever. But he was like, hey, that's not me. Get this off. I can't move. This isn't me. What did he bring? He brought who he was. However, he's a small boy. He was a shepherd. And all he had and all he knew to use was a sling. But he brought what he had, who he was. God multiplied that in the sense of he brought a mighty, mighty giant to the ground that nobody else could defeat. You see, if you come with your ability, God will ensure that he will bring the rewards. So like I said, God's not waiting for you to learn something. He's not waiting for you to put armor on that doesn't fit you like David. God is just waiting for you to be willing. So if you're willing, like Isaiah 6 says, I'll go, send me. You just watch then as God directs you, brings opportunities and uses you in a mighty way. You see, ability plus availability brings abundance. The multiplied food was more than enough to satisfy everyone. Eat as much as you want. That's what they were told. It wasn't like, you know, a buffet where it's like, one only, please. You can only have one. No, eat as much as you want. And you know, if you've ever been to those buffets, there are some people that take the mick a bit, don't they? You know, they come back with plates like this. Have you ever been in a buffet? Come break back plates like this and then go back for more. 
So, you know, these people, these people probably did the same. Eat as much as you want. They're going to stuff their face, aren't they? They're going to stuff their face. So the result of ability and availability is abundance. Remember the story of Gideon? 300 men he got down to in the end. A small band of willing and able soldiers were able to defeat a huge army because God was with them. You see, when you recognize your gifts and use your ability for his kingdom, then there is blessing. It's not maybe, there is blessing in your life and in the lives of everyone around you. A factory worker earning less than £10,000 a year was an unknowing heir to £2 million. Who wants to be one of those unknown millionaires? I'll tell you one thing, I wish somebody would knock on my door. When located by the investigators some years after his benefactor's, benefactor's death, can't get my words out, the worker explained that he had neither returned home or kept in touch with his family for 24 years. The investigator who located him estimated that there's about £40 billion in inheritances lying unclaimed in the UK alone. That's the first thing you're all going to do now when you go home and you're going to start Googling, am I? Am I? £40 billion in unclaimed that's just sitting there waiting to be claimed. Are you aware of your status as heir of God? Or are you just leaving it there and not claiming it? You know, in 1 Peter 1 verse 4, it says, We have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. You have a priceless inheritance. Are you claiming it? The musical Annie contains a wonderful illustration. I love, I love the musical of becoming an heir of God, doesn't it? When Annie moves from the orphanage to the Warbucks mansion, it's an incredible change for her. She leaves behind a spiteful, alcoholic caretaker and enters a relationship with a caring father. She goes from having no possessions to having a fortune at her disposal. The hard knock life is overcome by the brightness of a sunny tomorrow. Isn't that how it is for us? Don't you feel like Annie this morning? So the little boy had five loaves. He had two fish in his lunchbox. What's in your picnic? What's your abilities? What's your availability? And then what, just watch God's abundance. You know, let's just bow ahead for a second as we just close this off. You know, we spoke um, on Wednesday. We had a, the prayer meeting here on Wednesday. And we spoke on Wednesday about, you know, how we pray. And sometimes when we pray, we pray with a kind of a, oh, God, please do this for me. Or please do that. Almost an apologetic way. Instead of saying, do you know what? God's gone before us. There are all these promises. We're going to stand on it. And we're going to start declaring truths uh, over our lives. And the same can happen where we are not feeling maybe fulfilled. Maybe we're not feeling that we are living a life of abundance. Where we may be feeling that we can't achieve anything maybe it's because we are not saying do you know what I am nothing or I feel nothing but I'm going to give anyway I have no abilities or you might think my abilities are, are useless nobody can do anything with them but you know what I'm going to give them anyway what do you have in your picnic box is it bigger than this is it smaller than this 
It doesn't matter. All God wants is for you to give your picnic. Do you know what I mean? All God wants is for you to give your picnic. You see, what we see as small, he sees as big. What we see as can't, he sees as can. What we see as useless, he sees as precious. What we see as nobody cares, he says, I do. What we think is of no use in our picnic box, he says, just watch what I can do with it. And so this morning, as we start realizing that we have an inheritance, we start living in that inheritance, we start giving to God what he's already given to us anyway. When we start realizing this isn't us, this is God, we can't do anything anyway without God. When we start realizing the truths of what this little boy realized when he handed over his two fish and his five loaves of, do you know what? I don't know what this can do, but do you know what? Have it anyway. So this morning, let's just pray and think about what we have. And let's just say this morning, God, do you know what? Just have it. Here's what I have, just have it. Here's my abilities, but more importantly, here's my availability. Do what you can. There is a caveat though. Be careful what you wish for. Because if you say to God, I'm willing, I will go, I will do, I will whatever, you watch the opportunity come your way. Because what he'll do is he'll multiply that. And he will use you in that. So like they say, be careful what you wish for. God, we just thank you this morning that everything that we have, everything that we are comes from you. We are nothing, but we are everything because of you. And we just pray this morning, God, that as we just realize what little, what medium, what big size picnic box we have this morning, whatever we think it is, you know it's great. You know already what you're going to do with it. Lord, we thank you that you have gone before us. We thank you that you have paved the way for us. We thank you that before we were even knitted in our mother's womb, you had a plan for our lives. And we just pray this morning, Lord, that as we realize the truth, behind your word that we would accept the inheritance that is already for us that we will not live as paupers that we will not live in defeat that we will not live in less but we will live in the more we will live in the abundance that you have given us and we will realize what we are what we can achieve all through you this morning in Jesus name Amen This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.